Well, while you're standing, why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and feed on your word. Thank you for your word that it brings life to us and light to our path. Thank you that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, it discerns, it cuts between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And today I ask that your word would do a deep surgery within us, that it would cut off the flesh, that it would make us alive in the spirit, that it would change us from the inside out, Father. Lord, anoint me to bring your word and anoint the ears to hear and receive your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, <coughs> wonderful husband of mine for that whiteboard. All right, just need my pen. Are you ready for God to do something in your life today? Yes. yes. I'm so glad. Can you imagine being the kind of person who just comes and just goes through the motions and actually doesn't receive anything? We don't have people like that here, though. We have people who are, like, so hungry that you're drawing the word out. It's awesome. Okay. I want to talk today about being delivered from all fears. And I want us to say that word all together. Can we say all Oh. Oh. All right, that's going to come up a lot today. But I want to start in 1 Peter. So if you brought your Bibles, let's go there. Uh, 1 Peter and chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 6. This is a really weird statement. The combination in this verse says this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. We don't normally put rejoice and trials in the same sentence, although the Bible does seem to do that regularly. But we think rejoice because God answered my prayer. This says rejoice because you've been through a trial. But... I want to emphasize a certain word, and that is grieved. Has have any of you ever been grieved in your life? Been through grief? <sighs> grief is awful, isn't it? Until you've been through it, you know, you don't realise how much it affects you physically as well. Um, deep grief is actually a physical pain. It, it is agony. And this says about being grieved by various trials. Have you been through something that is still to this day a sore spot for you? A grief in your heart, something that you just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Why did you allow that, God? Why did that have to happen? Why is it still happening? Why is this going on? It's a grief. It's grievous. It's hard. It's awful. This is where he says, greatly rejoice. Why? Verse 7 says, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Now, you know what it is about Jesus? I was thinking about this, right? Jesus' love is so amazing. And I was thinking about the moment I meet him in heaven. And um, I said, I can't wait to see what the real you looks like. like have you, any of you ever seen an actor in a movie that plays the role of Jesus? And they all do their very best. But don't you want to know what the real one looks like? <laughs> I'm so curious. 
And I'm like, oh, I can hardly wait. And then I realised something. Even though I haven't seen him, I know him. And when I see him, I will know him. And the reason I'll know him is that I know his voice. Now, when my husband and I are apart and I call him on the phone and he answers the phone, I don't have to wonder if someone stole my husband's phone and if that's really him. Why? Because I know his voice. I recognise his voice. So when he picks up that phone and he's like, hey, sweetheart, or whatever he might say to me, I know, I know it's my husband's voice. I recognise it because I know him. Funny story about that. My sister, her husband and his dad sound very similar on the phone. (laughs) So one day he picked up Steve's phone, my sister's husband, picked up his phone when Emily was ringing. And he's like, hey, sweetheart, what lovely things are you going to tell me today? And she's like, Merv, where's Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, he was trying to get in on the good stuff. But I tell you what, she could tell the difference because she knew her husband's voice. And we know him. But sometimes when we're going through things, we listen to the wrong voice. It's a similar sound but it's not his voice. Okay, I want us to turn to Psalm 34, please. Now we're gonna have a little bit of a demonstration of stuff this morning, because you know me, I like to demonstrate things. Okay, Psalm 34. I'm actually going to backtrack in some of this and we're going to get through most of this psalm. But I want to start with verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me. That's important. Key number one. And delivered me from all my fears. Okay. So over here, I'm going to put the word delivered. Is it D E D L I V? Sorry, I just had a mental blank. Delivered. Okay. Delivered from all. All my fears. I'm going to put that over here. Now, how many of you would consider yourself that you're not really very fearful people? How many think, hmm, I battle with fear? I want to tell you, fear is really sneaky. And we're going to have a look at exposing some things today. (coughs) Okay, I'm going to jump down to verse 6. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. There it is again. That's going over here. Heard. Okay. The Lord heard him and saved him. That's going over here. Saved him out of all his troubles. All his what? Troubles. All right. The angel of the Lord, I'm in verse 7, encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. (laughs) Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I'm going to just jump down a little bit more to verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. Here it is again. And delivers. I love it. Them out of all their troubles. There it is again. 
The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Afflictions. All right. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I haven't written all the alls, but we're up to four already. Okay. So we've got an impressive list starting to happen up here. And I'm going to add another one to this in a little minute. But I want to demonstrate something. This list, I'm going to have a heading. I should have allowed a bit more room. I'm going to put a, a heading up here. Okay. And this one, I'm going to put a heading of truth. All right. Now, I need a brave volunteer. Actually, let me change that. Can I just have a volunteer? <laughs> Sue, come on up. All right, Jeremy, if you could reach into that bag and just grab out one of those in there. We're going to do a bit of a demonstration. Here's Sue, the righteous child of God, right? Made right by Jesus. So can you just pop that on? You're going to come up here. Now what Jeremy's got for me is a little puppet that we're going to name Fear today. All right? Now, <laughs> uh, Fear is actually a lot uglier than this. Sorry. But, um, sorry. That this is the best I could do. So, Here's the thing. The Bible describes fear as a spirit, and we're going to have a look at this in a minute. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For I have not given you, or God has not given you, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, here's what a spirit of fear will do. It's small, right? Yeah. But it's really annoying. So fear gets in your face. I'm going to get you to come over here. Oh. <laughs> and power. See, this thing doesn't even have any arms. But what it has is a big mouth. Can we see your mouth? Look at that. Okay. <laughs> now, hang on. What it does is it likes to have a narrative. And it says things like, what are you going to do? How's this going to work? This person isn't going to like you anymore. This isn't going to work out. What are they going to think? You need to be saying all this to her. No. Yeah. Fear. <laughs> You've got nothing. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, so this is what's happening. Fear is in your face and it's trying to distract you and get you to look at your troubles, your afflictions. It keeps rehearsing the problem for you. It keeps rewinding and replaying your past. It tells you what you can't do, why you can't do it. And it completely inhibits you. Uh -uh. But it's actually powerless against the presence of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, fear has a twin brother. And we're going to have a look at this. If you turn to Romans 8, so just stay there, you two, for me. Sorry. <laughs> Romans 8. And we're going to have a look at a lot of this together. But I just want to have a look at verse 15 for a moment. Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Jeremy, would you go get the, the other one out of that bag, please? Okay, fear has a twin brother, and his name is Bondage. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, 
tell you of all the things that could go wrong, all the times God failed you, all the times that it doesn't look like he answered your prayer, and then bondage likes to come in with condemnation and tell you all the things you did wrong and why you are such a failure and why you aren't going to make it and why you need to stop because God's not interested in you anymore. Right. <laughs> right? Now what they try and do is they try and bring a heavy bondage. They try and bring you into darkness. So we're going to put this over. That's it? All right. I feel small. <laughs> you see what's happening, though? It's all deception. It's all, it's all deception. Why? Because they have no power. They've been disarmed, literally. Right? They don't have power. They just have a voice. And what God wants to do is get all of these things and expose them for the lies that they are so that the light of his word can free us, deliver us from all, save us. He hears us, redeems us from all our fears, our troubles, our afflictions, our bondage. <laughs> right. Now, here's what I want to do. Who's going to set Sue free? How, how is he going to do that when he's not physically here anymore? He's in heaven. Speak the name of Jesus. Listen to what it tells us in Romans 8. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Wow. Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Really? <laughs> no, you can come out. Because you are beginning to lift your eyes up and you're looking and you're saying, Abba. Abba is the most affectionate word in Hebrew for father. It means daddy. Daddy, father. And it says that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> now this is exactly, this is exactly what we need to do. We need to put back onto fear and back onto the spirit of bondage the very things they're trying to throw onto us. <laughs> exactly. The lies can be covered over and the truth can be exposed because he has delivered us from all our fears. Can you give these guys a hand? That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Incurable. So, here's the thing, right? These, both these are described as spirits. A spirit of fear and a spirit of bondage. And we're going to have a, have a look at how we can get those voices to be silenced. And we're going to go through Romans 8. Um so I'm going to start in verse 1. This one is for the spirit of bondage, okay? It says in verse 1, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. So here's the test. Which category is the voice in? It might be trying to mimic the voice of God. And condemnation comes very close because condemnation likes to use scriptures to make you feel bad. It likes to mimic the voice of God. How do you know if it's really him on the other end of that line? Because it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's no condemnation. So what's that voice telling you? And what feeling is it bringing upon you? 
Here's how to tell if it's conviction, it'll lift you to Jesus. I want to honor you. I want to walk away from that. I want to exalt you. If it's condemnation, it'll take you away from Jesus. You shouldn't be in his presence. You're a hypocrite. You shouldn't be going to church. It will make you withdraw. And it will focus the attention upon you, your failings, the things you've done wrong, all the times you haven't got it right. Condemnation will bring you into bondage. It is a spirit, an accusing spirit. It wants to accuse you. I'm going to skip down a little bit in Romans 8 here. And, and I want to read you something about this. It says, um, oh, it's very great. Verse 31, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That foul spirit of condemnation and bondage dares to bring a charge against God's elect. But we're going to expose the lies today. Because what does it say here? It is God who justifies. That's how foolish this thing really is. Can you imagine God has justified you, made you righteous by the blood of Jesus, and this stupid little spirit's trying to tell God that you're not justified when he's the one who justified you? That's like saying to the judge, this one's condemned when the judge is just ruled innocent. It actually carries no weight. The judge's word is final. So Paul is saying, hang on a minute. Stop and think about that voice. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. How can we be condemned when Christ died to free us from our condemnation? Oh, the lies are starting to look as puny as they really are. Wow. Not only are we not condemned, not only is Christ risen, he is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. So when they're trying to bring a charge against you, when they're trying to condemn you, Christ is in the throne room standing up for you, saying, I died for her. I died for him. My blood has cleansed them. They are forgiven. Father, I thank you. You hear my voice. Wow. So look at this powerful verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I feel like this is a dare. Paul's getting bold. He's like, right, come on. Who's going to come up here and take on Jesus? You reckon you can get between me and the love of God? Just give it a try. It's like, oh, this, this stupid little fear thing's like, well, I'll get between you and Jesus. I'll tell you Jesus doesn't love you anymore. I'll tell you if he loved you, he'd never have allowed you to go through that. But look what Paul says. Shall tribulation separate me from the love of Christ? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Well, that's, a, that's an even bigger list. Tribulation. Okay, what else? Distress. Stress. Oh, 
address. Uh, persecution. Famine. Wow. Peril. Sword. We haven't even had to face some of these things. This is telling me what Paul's been going through. Okay. Can any of those things separate us from the love of God? Look at Paul's answer. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You didn't even come close. Like... Not even close. Where's my son Timothy? Is he out doing colouring sheets? Can anyone see him out there? Thank you. Oh, Ross is getting him, I think. All right, I'm going to do another demonstration, okay? I want to demonstrate a little bit of the more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Okay. Timmy, come up here. You're going to take on Daddy, all right? Come up here, Jess. <laughs> now, you need to fight him and win, all right? What do you reckon? What are your chances? One out of 99. <laughs> one out of 100. One out of 100. And is that 100 chances you'll win and only one for him? One for me and no. <laughs> All right. Wrestle him and take him down. Go for it. <laughs> he's trying, he's trying really hard. But uh, any moment, Daddy will probably just pick him up and it'll all be over. <laughs> he's really trying. Uh, he's giving it his best shot. <laughs> oh no, there we go. <laughs> right. You see, we are more than conquerors. Like, it's not a fair contest, people. Jesus has got this hands down. <laughs> Thank you, Timmy. High five. <laughs> Thank you. All right, it's not fair. We don't have any opposition that could possibly come close to taking on Jesus effectively. And it could never, ever, ever separate us from his love. Why? Because God is love. We can't be separated from God. He himself has abided in us. Ah, oh, Look at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! Nothing. Do you know, we sometimes think of these principalities and powers that they're just so powerful and so big and we can't overcome them. But I tell you what, it says there, it, it's not able to separate us from the love of God. Yeah. For all of their scheming and their lies and their plots, there is no ability within them to ever conquer us because God has conquered them. Nothing can separate us from his love. You see, he wants to deliver us from all our fears, from all of those lies, those voices in our heads that try to bring us into bondage. Let's just quickly go to 2 Timothy 1.7. How am I doing for time? Oh, good. For change. Okay. 2 Timothy 1.7. Many of you will know this verse. I want to bring out something maybe you haven't seen before. Maybe I'm just a bit slow and only getting it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, often when we think about power, we've been given power. Perhaps we think about it in a different context. 
But when I begin to research this power, what is this power we've been given? It tells us in Ephesians about this power, what it's for. <laughs> it also tells us in Romans, which we're going to have a look at in a minute. Do you know what it's referring to here? This spirit, remember, what is the spirit of God that's been given to us for? He's our helper. And what does he help us with? To overcome the flesh and to live in the spirit. We have the power of God to overcome sin. It's amazing. It, even the next verse down talks about the gospel according to the power of God. What is the gospel? That Christ died for my sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day and he's coming back for me. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I want to put forward to you that what the spirit of fear likes to do is actually challenge your salvation. It wants to make you think that you're not qualified, you can't know for sure, you can't have the guarantee of your salvation. You have to work for it that you can qualify and be good enough. But it tells us in Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith alone, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We've been given the power of God, which is the gospel, and that's what gets attacked in our life. Jesus died. Why did he die? Not for his own sins, for my sin. Remember the scripture says, Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And yet God has a greater love because he laid down his life for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Demonstrating the love of God. The power of the gospel is to sustain us our entire life. So that we're not separated from the love of God. You see, even though you might go through troubles and afflictions and persecution and peril, there's one thing that anchors us and it's the gospel. I know God loves me because the cross proves it. The cross of Jesus proves that he loves me. He went through unthinkable agony to prove that he loves me. He shed his innocent blood to prove that he loved me enough to restore me and deliver me. He heard me. He saved me. He's good to me. He loves me. That's what the cross does. And do you see how that is the power of God for your salvation? I don't know what you're going through over here, what's distressed your soul, what's grieved you. But I can tell you, if you stop looking at what's grieved you and you start looking at the cross of Jesus Christ, you will realise something. I am loved. And nothing, nothing can separate me from that love. I haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power. I am full of the power of God because he died for me and he rose for me and he's made me a new creation and I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to Christ and I am full of the love of God. The best way to overcome fear is with love. Because love conquers all. It says love never fails. I don't like losing. I'm a very competitive person. And so when I find out that there's a sure thing you can never lose, I mean, love. Love is so strange. The love of God. Do you know what he says to do when you're being persecuted? Love that person. It's like... Is there anyone else I can talk to about this? <laughs> do, don't you, did, did you actually hear what they called me? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they treated me? Did you see the disrespect? Yeah, 
love them. Love disarms our enemy. You know, Satan has no love in his armour. He doesn't know how to fight love. He can't overcome love because love, the love of God, endures forever. It, it never stops. It tells us, 1 Corinthians 13, that love endures forever. Love never fails, never runs out, it never gives up. He has no weapon for love. And this is what we have been given, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind. I'm going to just skip back really quickly to, to Psalm 34. And I want to bring out something about this sound mind. Okay. So, verse 2 says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. A sound mind is one that is fixed on how big God is. Because you just you stand in awe. Look at the wording here. Boast in the Lord. You know, have you heard that phrase about people big noting themselves? Well, here we're like big noting the Lord. I've gotten real cheeky lately. If there's one person I would love to boast to, it would be Satan. Come and have a seat. I want to tell you about something. Did you hear what Jesus did today? Oh, it was so good. He rescued and saved and delivered and set free. He was so amazing. I'm just going to magnify him. Oh, and another thing, devil, he forgave all my sins. And he has given me eternal life. I know you can't even imagine that. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Fear, I've got a name I want to tell you about. Have you heard of Jesus? Fear, where'd you go? Oh, that's strange. Hey, bondage, have you heard this wonderful name? It's called Jesus. Man, he can run fast. Exalt his name. Oh, look at verse 5. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. You see, they'd been delivered from condemnation. They realized they were loved by God, and there was no shame anymore. They're looking at him, and they're not going, oh, I'm so lousy and unworthy. They're looking at him, and they're radiant. They're reflecting his light. They're not ashamed because Jesus has made them righteous before God. <sighs> Saved out of all his troubles. Delivered out of all his afflictions. This is the promise we have from God. Not that troubles and afflictions and distress and persecution and tribulation won't come. But that when they come, we don't have to be moved. We don't have to be shaken. We don't have to doubt the love of God. Remember the verse we started with? Rejoice with exceeding joy when you're going through grievous trials. Why? <sighs> because it's bringing you closer to Jesus. Verse 11 says something interesting. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. A completely different kind of fear. One that goes over this side. The fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. 
Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The fear of the Lord will actually deliver us from the fear of death and from bondage and from all other fears. I'm going to reverence him. I'm going to think about the work that he's done for me. I'm going to think about the love that he displayed for me. And I'm going to trust that he will deliver me from all my fears. We're going to come around communion now. And I want to take us to my last passage, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. If you haven't got um, a communion cup, if you just want to put your hand up, one of our ushers will come and and bring that for you um, so we can partake together. But Colossians 1 and verse 13 says this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. <sighs> it actually goes on to be even more amazing, but I just want to put a sealer in here, have a little pause and think about this. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. Our strong Jesus came in like a knight in shining armor and he kicked down those doors and busted open the chains and he delivered us from the power of darkness. That means there is no power of darkness today that can actually hold you bound anymore. You're delivered. And he conveyed us, another translation actually uses the word translated us. I like that. It's a bit like transported. Boom. We have been conveyed. Have you ever seen a royal or a uh, dignitary convoy and the flags on the cars and all the security? We've been conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. Wow. In whom we might have redemption. No in whom eventually we'll get redemption. If we're good enough, no. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> so I want you today to do business with God so that when you leave the doors of this place, You've left behind some nagging fears and some bondages and some troubles and some afflictions. And you've allowed the love of God to come in and absolutely shed his light into the darkness that you've been in. You are delivered from the power of darkness. And Paul just can't help himself. He goes on to just describe Jesus a little bit. So let me describe him to you. Well, he is the image of the invisible God. How amazing is that? We could never see God. We weren't holy enough to view him. No man could look at him or else they would die. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So we can see what God's like. He goes on, well, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Did you hear that? They're all created beings. None of them can match Jesus. He made them. All things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. Can you see this word all, all the time? Paul's getting excited. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. 
Wow. He goes on to say that whether things in heaven or in earth, Jesus has made peace through the blood of his cross. And he's reconciled us to God. So though that may be an impressive list, it's really no match for the blood of Jesus, for the name of Jesus, for the person of Jesus, for the love of Jesus. He said in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So why don't we stand and why don't we have a position of authority today as we partake. Allow him to cleanse you, forgive you, wash you, free you from every fear, from every condemnation, from every darkness that has tried to cloud your vision. Just like that material was clouding Sue's vision. Take it off today. Father, we come around these emblems and we want to exalt your name. We want to magnify you. I mean, you're already great. You're already big. We really can't make you any bigger. But what we can do is lift our eyes and realize you are so much greater than all our fears, all our sins, all our past, all our failures, all our mistakes. You are so much bigger and more amazing than all of it. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus, who was the willing sacrifice to take our place. Thank you that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day for us so we could be delivered and have a relationship with you. Lord, today we eat and, re- and drink in remembrance of you. We remember the truth and not the lies. We remember we are loved. We are bought with a price. We are paid for. We are children of God. We just receive the work of your cross, the work that you've done for us today, and we partake of you through these emblems in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat together. This cup, Jesus said, is my blood shed for you. Take, drink in remembrance of me. Praise you, God. I want to give you an opportunity today, if you're in this place, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, There's a God who loved you enough to pay the price for your mistakes, your sins, your failures. All it takes is that simple ABC, admit you're a sinner, repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. Receive what Jesus has done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That he alone is perfect enough, qualified to take your sins. And that he died and rose from the dead. Believe that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It's that simple. If you're in this place just while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, just to avoid distractions, but if you're here and you want to receive Jesus today, I just want you to raise your hand and count me in. I'm done with my old life. I'm done with my sin and my shame and my pain and my regrets, my griefs and my sorrows. I'm done with it. I want to receive Jesus. I want light in my soul. Just want you to raise your hand today. Maybe that's me. And I'm going to pray with you. For those watching online, you can do this right in your own home. You don't need to be in a crowd. And we're just going to say a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that's going to save you. It's what you believe in your heart. But this is something you can follow along with me. Dear Jesus, 
I repent of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Forgive me. Make me your child. I choose to follow you. I will be your disciple and live for you for the rest of my life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I also want to pray for others here. If you've got things that are troubling you, if you can relate to any of these words up here, I believe today God wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you from all your fears. So just while heads are bowed in this place, if you say, Nita, that's me, I'm ready to be released of my fears today. Why don't you raise your hand? Because we're going to do a declaration of faith and pray together. And we're going to see fear for the disarmed principality and power that it is. It's disarmed in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the love of God that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I thank you that today you have exposed all lies. And Father, you have revealed your truth to us. You love us. You're for us and not against us. If God be for us, who can be against us? So I speak to these lying, foul spirits of fear and bondage. You are exposed and you will leave us alone in Jesus' name. Because today we embrace truth. Today we declare we've been given a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And we will not succumb to fear, but we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, our deliverer, our healer, our mighty warrior. Father, we choose to believe you and to hear your voice today and not the voice of fear anymore. That thing has got to go. It's got to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for life. We thank you for light. We thank you for deliverance in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen Amen. Amen. and Amen.